Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roots Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. The Roots Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. Mm, still working on that one. That's going to be, uh, we're going we're gonna to be keep, uh, we're going to have to keep wrapping that into the, uh, into, into fall practice, but I, I think we'll have it shaped up by the end of camp. We're putting a lot of football into the beginning of the show. Yeah. Does that, does that help? Is there an audible version of like SEO where we just say football a lot of times? Football, 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 football. Yeah. Football, the, football. the Texas football Republic of football one is, uh, like the, I'm still I'm still getting the rhythm on that one. Like the like how how are how are the words supposed to what's the 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 what's the meter there? I'm gonna have to go back and do the, the like the Shakespearean analysis like in high school, like in AP English, but we'll uh we'll figure it out. Really getting the so on right. brand for, for a rice <laughs> podcast. I iambic pentameter. Why do I remember that? There you go. It's six. Don't say high school teachers never taught you nothing. There you go. I love it. Speaking <laughs> of being taught things, we All are my personal biases coming through here. <laughs> uh, we're in the midst of one of my favorite parts of the well, not the college football calendar, because it's kind of it's about to be silly season officially once conference media days get here in a couple of weeks. But right now it's kind of in the middle of, I don't know, nothing season where the SEC debates how many games they want to play. But in the midst of that, we actually have a good time and we have some guests bring in. We're going through our AAC. It's not quite speed dating when you do it for a solid hour instead of a couple minutes. But going through our next run of guests from that and then a quick plug before we get going. Uh, wanted to shout out to our friends at Homefield Apparel. Uh, brought them up on the podcast last time we went through here. Uh, our official sponsors at the, let's see if I can do this, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of, Republic of Football Podcast Network. Man, that I is keep, a lot. Yeah, I keep feeling like I'm going to have uh, too many or too few, like, possessives in the in the phrasing of it. Like, I'm going to say Dave Campbell's Texas Football's Republics of, of Football's. Yeah, all of that. What you won't mess up, go to Homefield Apparel, go in your Google machine, or they, they actually they have an app, and I think you can get like a shirt of the week discounted on the app. And I yeah. pulled this up, and I want to buy the most random T-shirts because they look amazing and they're comfy. But before you buy said T-shirt or rice hoodie or comfy rice, even the like the classic R shirt, whatever you want, the code is ROOST, R-O-S-T. 15% R off R -O -O -S -T. Your first two O's. Yeah. Two O's. Like if, and if you're confused, go to at the roost.com and go look at the logo. And that's, that's the code with the, without the little owl beak, but roost 15% off your first order. Go grab like several t-shirts for you and your friends and mothers, grandmothers, everybody, because they're super comfy and Fathers, brothers, listen cousins, to a podcast. Roommates. Yeah, everybody, everybody, you know, needs a home field apparel shirt. Um, I'm going to man, I said that I'm not wearing one right now. I'm going to have to next future podcast will be done in home field apparel. We will we will remedy this situation. 
I'm going to need more shirts for that. But I suppose that's what the coat is for. That's what (laughs) that that is what you call a professional transition. There we go. Yeah, we're we're killing it on the segues. So (laughs) with that said, uh, we'll now bring on uh, Ryan and Matt of the Golden Hurricast, uh, our new uh, pals uh, covering Tulsa and uh, talk all things Golden Hurricane. All right, and we're here now with Matt and Ryan of the Golden Hurricast to talk uh, all things Tulsa football. How's it going, guys? It is going great, Carter. Thanks for having us on the show. Uh, before we were recording here, I was thinking it's been a while since Matt and I have done a show. We usually take the summers off because Tulsa doesn't have a baseball team, so we kind of take the summers to a men's baseball team. So we, we take the summers to kind of chill out, um, regroup, and then we hit it hard for a football season again. Uh, so had to knock off some rust getting ready for the show, but very excited to talk talk some Tulsa football and get back into it. I feel like with Tulsa football, there's just as much as we're uh, trying to figure out right now as at anybody else. You know, we just hired a DC, what, this past week. So, I mean, there's just so much new going on even for us. So, Wait, this past week? Eight days ago. Oh, well, that's, so uh, does Tulsa football have a full staff right now? <laughs> I think now we do. But yes, we, now, yeah. we had a big, uh, it was a big saga, man. Let me, I, mean, I could talk you through the whole thing. I won't do the whole one, but um, yeah. So new coaching staff came in this year and we hired an original defensive coordinator who then uh, a couple months later bailed for Indiana. Uh, Indiana picked him up and we were kind of DC less for a while and the going, messaging from kevin wilson and the staff was you know we don't want to rush into a new dc pick just because spring balls around the corner we're feeling pretty good with our system right now um and it like it sounded like he was floating maybe we just won't have a defensive coordinator this year like that was an actual concern uh, or like i don't know if concern is the right word but like an actual thought that was going through people's heads was like will kevin wilson just run the defense even though he's like an offensive lineman historically um, so yeah, we went a long time without a DC and media availability for Tulsa football has kind of dramatically changed since Wilson took over. So nobody knew what was going on. Uh, but yeah, then all of a sudden the news broke, uh, last week that we hired Chris Polisi, um, from UT Martin. So he's the DC now. Well, lucky for y'all, because if the, uh, if the Patriots were any example this season, if, uh, <laughs> if, if Bill Belichick could not pull off, uh, not really have a coordinator, maybe have a guy from the other side of the ball do it. Uh, yeah, probably, probably would not have worked out. So, so that for you for sure. See, and it was when you made the comment about the DC going to Indiana that I thought back, I'm like, why does Indiana Tulsa, why does that connection sound familiar? And then I'd remember that Kevin Wilson was hired to coach your football team. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) and I'd imagine for, for any rice fans listening, we were, you know, it's been a decade since rice and Tulsa have played on the football field. Uh, Rice owns a one game. Oh God, that makes me feel ancient right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're all here for. And uh, none of us were around for the uh, inaugural Rice Tulsa game that happened in 1937, right? That booming zero zero tie. Uh, That is the year my grandmother was born. So uh, (laughs) there you go. I'm impressed. You know that that's good. I have to think when my if think back when my parents were born. I, I could get there. I'd have to do some math. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, grandparents and and mothers aside, um, kind of give us the the distilled version of what it's like uh, in Tulsa with this football team right now. 
you mentioned not knowing what was going on, but just from following kind of national pundits and stuff, I think a lot of people were surprised when Kevin uh, Kevin Wilson kind of just emerged out of thin air and was the head coach at Tulsa again. Kind of how did that go down and kind of what is the uh, the morale as a, you know, someone in a similar G5 team seat who's hoping their football team begins to win more games again? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think general morale is is cautiously optimistic. I think that's probably common among first year head coaches. You know, unless you really swing and miss on the hire uh, from day one, I think most people are going to lean toward the cautiously optimistic side, if not ex- excessively optimistic. Um, so we are we're feeling pretty good. It was a weird coaching saga stretch there. Um, Philip Montgomery, if you're not aware, was the was the coach before he was there for eight seasons, and he was a roller coaster man. Like his first two years were were pretty solid, um, ten and three season in his second year, and then it collapsed and uh, went down to two and ten, and uh, kind of slowly ever since that season slowly crawled up, but way too slowly. It was like two and ten, three and nine, four and eight, three years in a row, and then six and seven, seven and five, and then I think last season was f- back to five and seven. So it was kind of this weird hot start, big collapse, slow crawl back up, and then we stuck around like five wins on average for the last four years. And, you know, after eight seasons, it's not just you're, it's, that's just not enough. You're just not going to get it done. And our athletic director, Rick Dixon, made the comment saying, like, you know, he the feeling in the athletic department about Philip Montgomery was not super negative. It wasn't like everybody was jumping on fire in this guy. If you've never heard him talk or been around him, he's very nice. Everybody loves him. I think that kind of was a reason he stuck around for eight years. Um, was just his his mood and his mentality around everything. So he's, he lasted this long, but then it was, you know, after a while, if you're not making, if you're stuck at your ceiling is basically six wins, um, it's time to move on. So ch- the choice was made to change directions and uh, went through the whole big saga of a bunch of different coaches popping up on the radar screen um, as it always goes. And Kevin Wilson ended up being the choice. And he was... Who's he known was a, for like being super nice, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It was yeah, a, a it was flash. a weird hire, man. Like, I don't know. Like, we'll see how it goes, you know. And I think the initial reaction with Kevin Wilson was he people look at his record in Indiana, which was back like 10 years ago now. And it was not good. Um, he was like, I don't remember. He had a losing. It was like 26 and 50 or something. Um, and so people look at that number and think, OK, this is a this is probably a bad hire. And then, you know, he he got fired at the end of his tenure there. Um, and all this stuff. If you, if you read between the lines, though, I think there is some room for optimism in this hire. And I'll break it down for you. He Indiana, uh, historically a, a horrible uh, college football program, um, perennially near the bottom of the Big Ten. They're in the Big Ten uh, in the Big Ten West. And that's with uh, our Big Ten East, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, all those guys, you know. Um, he takes over a program that had been at the bottom of that league for several years in a row, went one and 11 in his first year. And then by by his fifth and sixth season, he he was there for six years. Um, they made back to back bowl games for the first time since like 1990. So he did some good work there. He actually had a pretty solid looking offense and was looking pretty good. Um, and he did not get fired for, for for football performance. He got fired for what you're alluding to, Matthew, um, with the uh, maybe not being a super nice guy, and that was mistreatment toward player uh, or some allegations of player mistreatment. And those were things like forcing players to play while they were injured, um, being physical with them on the sidelines, stuff like that. And, you know, he's 
I don't know. You know, I, he's publicly acknowledged those things. Um, he has said that that's a different time. He's a different coach. He's a different, he's got a different style now. He's 10 years older now. That's not his style anymore. You know, he is, he's very clearly taken that stuff head on and, and tried to not hide, hide from it. Um, so we'll see, you know, actions speak louder than words. So we'll see how it goes now that he's here. Um, but I think he does. I think he can coach. I think he's a good coach. I think he will do a good job on the football field. It's the things around that uh, or around him that I think kind of way heavier. Yeah. And I'm wondering if the, uh, if the cost of him not doing that to his team is the more frigid, uh, I think we lost him. Yeah, sorry, it's just it's choppy. I, I was just gonna say if the uh, you know if the cost of him being a little less intense with his players uh, is a more frigid relationship with the media, I guess that's something that we'll just have to kind of like deal with. Maybe you know push that aggression towards um, you know the professionals instead of you know, the 18, 19, 20 year olds. Yeah, that works as long as you win, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, there there's some wild stuff from if, if you look into that story with the player mistreatment thing, I, I, I am convinced that he's not that style anymore. If you just one, he's just like an old dude. I, you know, I, I just can't see him doing that anymore. Um, not saying that it was OK when he was a younger guy, uh, but I, I would just be surprised if it was a thing now. But like there were some stories from back in the day at Indiana from like players who spoke out um, while that was going on, some backing him and some, you know, acknowledging what he was doing. One of the one of the best quotes I read from back then was like, uh, I, I wrote it down here. Let's find it uh, from an offensive lineman, Gabe Ecard. He said, quote, Kevin Wilson once ripped my buckled helmet off my head, spit on my jersey and punched me in the chest during practice. But the guy could coach. And that, that was his, uh, <laughs> like, OK, man, you know, take what you want out of that, I guess. But uh, yeah, I that's how it is. I think he is a good ball coach. I think generally, I think people recognize that about him, picked up an Indiana team off the ground and actually got them into a pretty good place. And they have since dropped once again, back to the bottom of the big 10 East. Um, so I, I think he can get it done on the football field. It's can he handle himself off the field? It's interesting. Cause you know, look, looking back up his tenure in Indiana ended in 2016. And I think at this level of football, you know, retread is the word that gets thrown out for anybody that has basically had a a P5 job, a power five job, and is now working at, at a quote unquote lower level. There is probably three or four different styles of retread. Uh, you know, I, I think the, uh, you know, the Lane Kiffin FAU go out in a ball of flames and reemerge like a Phoenix, <laughs> like, like he's kind of been the, the standard. And then you have the, you know, the Kevin Sumlin, Tom Herman, uh, you know, Kirby smart, totally. go try and uh, rework yourself after, uh, you didn't hit your big shot. And, and I think what I, what I hear you saying is that, uh, you know, a seven year break maybe is not the common, uh, restart. And so maybe there is a, maybe some hope for optimism and nothing else. It's kind of, like you said, it might not be the same as a lot of these other, uh, you know, reboots. Yeah, he wasn't right. I think you're right. He wasn't he wasn't fired from uh, Indiana for football performance, then picked up at a G5 job after doing bad, like as a football coach. Right. He was fired for something else. I think another reason that he fits well 
at a school like Tulsa is Indiana is a hard place to coach. It is like, like we've talked about, they're in a really, really tough division in a really, really tough conference. And he did well there. Tulsa is a tough place to coach. It's a small market. The recruiting is usually not as big as the other schools in the league. The money in the city isn't as big. The money in the university isn't as big. We don't have the donor base. So there's a lot of challenges to coaching at Tulsa. Yeah, and, it is. Uh, unless something has changed in the past several years, it is the smallest uh, Division One, the smallest school that has an FBS football program, uh, which I know because for many years, Rice was the second smallest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And like the list goes on, man. It, it, it's a tough place to coach. Um, but coaches get it done here. There's been a lot of success at Tulsa. It takes the right guy who is not going to shy away from the market of Tulsa and the the kind of style that you have to coach and the the kind of grassroots you have to get down to to do well here. And I think Kevin Wilson in Indiana exemplified a lot of things there that we're looking for here. Not an easy place to win. And uh, I think he can pull it off here, too. Uh, I, before so we you, leave the coach, I, I do have to ask, was what was the, the was there a big push in the fan base? Because uh, as someone who remembers G.J. Kinney throwing touchdowns at Tulsa oh, yeah. against my team, um, and saw him emerge as a, a a big coach candidate this year after having success at Incarnate Word. Um, I keep having like being like, oh yeah, he, he got hired for an FBS job. Like he got hired at Tulsa, right? No, oh no, no, it's Texas State. Like what what was kind of the the feeling on Kinney and and was there kind of a disappointment when yeah. it turned out that he wasn't the guy? Yeah, there was there was certainly disappointment um, from the fan base at least. Uh, like you said, everybody knows, at least Tulsa fans or people who've watched Tulsa know G.J. Kinney and love G.J. Kinney. Um, and he's, you know, he's having a hell of a career for himself. And it seemed like an, a kind of a nice timing here that maybe we'd be able to pick him up at Tulsa. Um, the, you know, the the what we heard um, going through that process was he was brought into interview and was not, uh, you know, we didn't move on with him. And then he took the Texas State job. It was Texas State, right? Is that where he landed? You've already yep. blocked it out of your memory completely. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yes, it's exactly. Texas State. I have to look it up every time, but yeah, it's Texas. Yeah, State. and uh, yeah, but I had the same. I had the same thought, right? It just felt like a match made in heaven. There was another guy similar, quite not quite the same, but Brennan Marion was a, a big time player at Tulsa back in the day and wide receiver. Um, was the wide receivers coach at um, at Texas, and he has his own offense with a book called the yeah, Go Go Offense and all offense. this stuff. I, I yeah. Forgot. I forgot he played at Tulsa. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. you should have said that. I had the same thought. I'm like, he's a Tulsa guy. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. I, and, I uh, remember that he played for Malzahn. I I forgot that uh forgot that it was at Tulsa. Yeah, Man, so there Malzahn, was kind of that's like, a throwback he, too. I got it. Oh yeah, I'm there's a lot of retraining <laughs> my brain here. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And th- there was also like he, he not being an offensive coordinator or anything before had less probably enthusiasm toward him, but just like. You know, everybody wants the the big time player from your school who's now in a coaching role in, of some kind um, always. Right. It's just it's always a, a talking point. Um, and that would have been cool. And then the idea then became once uh, once Kenny wasn't an option or that we had heard we moved on from him. Um, it was like, oh, OK, maybe we'll hire like a head coach and then they'll bring on Marion as like the offensive coordinator. That would be awesome. And that didn't end up happening, obviously. Um, we got Steve Springer Jr., but it was a, it was an exciting like idea. So. Yeah, there were there was some heat around both of those. Um, Kenny, especially, I think, was an early. I think he was probably one of the earliest interviews 
but ended up, I think priority went to every coach and that was in the kind of the final rounds of interviewing with us was, um, had, had serious like head coaching experience in the past. And, uh, Kenny not having that, I think was, was the, the reason we didn't move forward with him. Also, I am just going to double check because it, it, at this point feels like we're playing coach name Mad Libs. You did <laughs> yes. say Steve Spurrier Jr. Often that coordinator, correct? That's right. And yes, he is the son of Steve Spurrier. <laughs> I I did not know he was a coach, honestly. Yeah, uh, he's been hanging out with Mike Leach at Mississippi State the last couple of years. Ah, yeah, I do remember that. I, I have now decided that all college football roads go through Tulsa. Yeah. Wait, so no, it no. feels Wait. sometimes, man. It's so hard to keep it straight. So for a little while there, we had Steve Spurrier Jr. at Mississippi State and uh, Charlie Weiss Jr. at Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's an interesting set of. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> True. And Tommy Reese at Alabama. Just to throw. Uh, yeah. Line. Now. Makes a lot of sense. Man. I'm going to ha- I need like the the download of like 20 years of Tulsa football, because it sounds like if anything else, it has not been boring. Yeah, but uh, I wanted to. Hey, we're in the same league now, so we can uh, just we'll talk every year. We'll give you a little bit more every time. This so is good. I well, in chapters. This is installment yeah. number one. Yes. yes. And and because I know there are Rice fans uh, uh, clamoring for it and frothing at the mouth right now because uh, none of us have let go of that. We will will uh, we'll put off before we you know once we've got a year or two of camaraderie under our belts. The uh, knockdown, drag out, uh, blow by blow history of the uh, of the Todd Graham uh debacle man it's so funny everybody like when we first started this podcast in 2018 it was like we went into the league all everybody we would do these interviews with like AAC people like we're doing right now right and everybody wanted to know like everybody hated us for the Todd Graham years and we like (laughs) Matt and I didn't get to we we went we got to Tulsa like got to the university in 2013 so we went we didn't live through any of that we're both from St. Louis Missouri so didn't really know. We didn't really know this <laughs> angst against Tulsa. We kind of went in blind and like everybody was like, hey, why do you guys what's up with Todd Graham? Like, why is he the worst? And we were like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, is is Rice fans were so like just absolutely furious after that whole thing. And we hated uh, like Tulsa was one of the teams that like we hated most when I was there which would have exactly cut off at uh, like I graduated in 2013. Um, but the, it was funny to watch him move on after that and go through these series of, of coaching jobs and then have it ultimately just be like, Oh, it's, it, it's really just him. It's yeah. really just that he sucks. And like, yeah. everybody <laughs> is aware of this. Yep. It's true, man. Oh my God. What a flame out to it. Hawaii. That's just a mess. Yeah, I'm about to say, anytime the state senate is involved as a college football <laughs> probably done something wrong. Truly. The state of Hawaii as an institution called you a jerk. Yep. <laughs> Justifiably. On government record, man, before we do an entire episode on Tom Graham, which it sounds <laughs> yeah. like we could and might need to do, come back later in the summer when it's June and we have still nothing to talk about. There we go. Um, but... You said something, Ryan, that I was curious about because you said that uh, basically alluded to that Tulsa is a a difficult place to coach. You do point to the size and recruiting limitations, but you said that uh, there was the right kind of person that could find a way to win. So can you give me the the cliff notes, the uh, skeleton key 
to how to be a good football coach at Tulsa and why Tulsa will still be good at football? Yeah, um, I can do my best. I think it's always an open question, right? But I think there are coaches who come here, I think, without knowing this is this is more common in the offensive and defensive coordinator roles. I think that's one of the reasons we may have lost uh, both of those um, and before we started here. And I think those reasons are people come to Tulsa. I, when I go around and I and I say like, yeah, I'm a Tulsa football fan. They're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and we get into it. Um, most people think Tulsa, like the university, is probably like a 20, 20 to 25,000 student university. Um, but it's not, right? It's like 4,000. It's tiny. And no one, like, it, when you're a coach coming in, you know that. But you maybe don't fully internalize what that means uh, when, when you're actually coaching the team. Um, and it means the recruiting base is smaller. It means you're in a, t in a media market that's not as big. It means you're in a conference that previously wasn't getting very much money, but now that's kind of fixed itself. Um, and the facilities aren't going to be what you might expect them to be at a power five or, or really like elite G five program and a lot of things around that. Right. And I think the coaches that do well here, one come in with eyes wide open about what it, what it is to coach at Tulsa and what it is to coach at a small school like this when you're in division one football and how you need to kind of punch above your own weight if you're going to compete in any way. And two, like there's a whole, there's just a mentality. I think it's easy to get away from looking in the Tulsa area for athletes and very easy to do what most co coaches do and just like look at Texas. And that's what coach after coach has done here. And it sometimes works. It sometimes doesn't Phil Montgomery pulled like 90% of his recruits from Texas. Cause he's a Texas guy. I, it makes sense. Um, but there's, there, there's some really good football in Oklahoma and specifically in Tulsa. And sometimes those guys go over, look, there's a story. Um, we passed up on a guy. We straight up didn't offer him, uh, several years back, probably five, um, Brennan Presley from Oklahoma state. And he ended up being one of their best players, uh, going, uh, I don't know if he's, I think he's done this year. I don't know if he got drafted or anything, but he had a great career at OSU. Um, and we didn't even, we didn't even give him an offer. He straight up wanted to come to Tulsa. Like he, his, it is documented. His family has talked about it. He wanted to come here. We didn't offer him. Oklahoma state offers him. He goes there. He becomes one of the best players, right? That was a huge sting on TU from like a local perspective. And also the Presley family who happened to have a younger brother, four years younger who wanted, who then had no, like wanted nothing to do with Tulsa, did not want to go there. He was pissed that his brother didn't get an offer there, you know? Um, so he goes to Oklahoma state too. And we miss out on him. Weird come around to that is that now that Kevin Wilson has taken over, uh, he's transferred to Tulsa. Uh, I think they really just didn't like the Philip Montgomery relationship there. But my point is some of these coaches don't, they don't look in the Tulsa area. They don't think, I don't know why, uh, they, they pass it up for whatever reason and, and kind of default back to what they know, whether that's Arkansas or Texas or, you know, kind of the local hotbeds. Um, yeah, I, uh, and I, I don't, and just to throw more on the, uh, the, uh, underrated talent, uh, a guy who, I don't know if he had a Tulsa offer, but a guy who was overlooked by major schools until very, very late in the recruiting process was, uh, a guy by the name of Josh Jacobs yeah, from I Tulsa. Yeah. I yeah, promise I don't man. only drop Alabama names, but he, <laughs> yeah. he's somewhat, he was okay. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's pretty good still. I mean, there's guys like that all around Tulsa, you know, it's like you think of Zayvon Collins, right? He went, he was our highest rated draft pick ever, uh, went 16th in the NFL draft a couple of years back. And he was from, uh, man, I'm blanking on the city. It's a tiny, Matt, do you remember the, the name of the city that 
David Collins is from? Uh, no, because the only one I ever think of is uh, Grove, but that's Mason Fine, who we missed out on. Um, yeah, totally blank. It's a tiny town. Though. He was like, good, too. Yeah, he was he was great. And we missed out on Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. You know, it's just like you got to pay. And I know it's easy to say, like, oh, just get all the best players in your city you know, or like in your state. It's easy to miss them. Right. It's not it's not like I'm saying this is, well, you know, a you say that. Here. But it's like the rice equivalent of there's been probably 30 or 40 or 50 guys a year from Houston that rice doesn't land out on. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that's quite the same problem. Maybe it's <laughs> right. missing. Usually that's uh, A&M in Texas and Oklahoma and yep. Alabama saying mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no doubt. It's we, much harder when you're, uh, get, when you're in Houston. We definitely get that from like the OU and the Oklahoma State. Like we definitely, there are guys that, you know, it's kind of some of my, one of my thoughts is do we just not offer because we figure we're going to lose them? But then you have like Mason Fine who ends up, you know, playing really well down at North Texas. Uh, it's like, easily could have been like we didn't have a good quarterback for like four or five years stretch um um but yeah it's like ryan zavin is from hominy which is a population of three thousand. so it's like those are the kind of things you need to find um like those guys who are going to turn into stars uh that aren't just going to get stolen by you know the big dogs Uh, which i think is now harder for anybody in our like tulsa rice I mean, with the transfer portal now, it's like even if you put in the work, find those recruits, it's only going to get harder after like one, two years. Now, why not jump up to one of the super, super leagues? Yeah, you could tell. I I also, that got me curious and I had to go look up Zayvon Collins. You can tell a guy who was a D1 quality player went to a school or is from a town that size when they have a line like he played quarterback, linebacker, and <laughs> safety in high school. I know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and he was like on the gymnastics team. He played baseball. Like he did it. He was like their everything man, you know. It's so funny because Rice had this situation a couple years ago where they were straight up out of quarterbacks. I think their third quarterback had gotten hurt and they were this would have been Parker, this would have been 2019. Um when uh oh, I'm trying, but but they cycled through and so you go out to practice on Monday. And all of a sudden, everyone who ever played quarterback in high school is raising their hand and saying, hey, coach, hey, coach, <laughs> you know. And that's when I learned because you never really you never really think about this because when you're these guys are being recruited, their profile says safety or running back or wide receiver. But you never really stop to think that they might not have actually ever played those positions. And as the, right. the, the, you go down in the levels of college football or college football, high school football, you get to the guy who was a, a you know, a prized corner and running back slash quarterback slash they didn't really throw the ball offensive, touch the ball, every play guy. And it's amazing that every football team in, in college football has like six guys who, you know, played quarterback and that's it in high school, but also played on defense and now play linebacker because yeah. why not? Yeah. That was one of the, like, I don't know. I, that, that was one of the bigger surprises to me doing this podcast was just how common that is. I never, I don't know. I never knew that it's ever paying some more attention. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's it crazy. makes like, it, it's definitely one of those things. Like it makes sense when you think about it. Like if you, if you, you know, if you went to like a North shore in Houston or something like that, like a real powerhouse, then, you know, obviously you don't, you know, you play the position you're going to play in college, but like, if you went to a just like even a perfectly fine football program in high school and you are uh, an FBS quality player, 
Like yep. you were probably like by a mile the best athlete on your team. In which case the like the coaches be stupid not to just put the ball in your hands every play and say like go score, which no like works for a lot of dudes. So yeah, right. But yeah, it's one of those uh, like, so, you look down the roster and it's like, oh, this guy mm, 12, 15 guys on this roster played quarterback in high school. <laughs> yep. So quarterback or not, I we've because we've kind of talked a little bit of history and and brief, uh, you know, current happenings of, of Tulsa. Can you give us the run through on and, you know, I, you know, with the caveat, the transfer portal exists and I won't hold you to any of this. Um, but uh, start with the offense. Kind of what are we working with? from a player's player perspective uh, coming into the 2023 season. And you mentioned the Kevin Wilson, you know, style of offense. What does that kind of look like? How does that mesh with the personnel that you have or, or might have? Yeah, I think there's a lot, obviously, you know, first year staff, it's going to be a lot of open questions. Um, I'll start with kind of the bigger, the bigger losses from, from last season coming into this year, who we don't have anymore. Um, the starting quarterback, for, you know, 75% of the season last, or maybe 60 or something was Davis Brin. And man, his first four, like I keep going back to this, his first four games of last season, he was leading the country in like four different passing, like quarterback related stats. Um, he was just lighting everybody up. Fourth game was against Ole Miss. He got hurt halfway through that game and was just absolutely not the same after that. It was like his numbers went from 400 something passing yards a game to like 100, you know, it was a huge drop off. And clearly playing hurt all year and ends up, you know, he was hurt kind of on and off the rest of the season. We ended up starting Braylon Braxton, who's the new, he's kind of the de facto starter this year, as far as we can tell. Um, he actually played really well, especially down the stretch uh, at quarterback. Richard sophomore, big guy, good size, can run it. Um, so excited about him. But lost Davis Brin. He transferred at the end of the season to Georgia Southern. Uh, so he's over there now. Um, so he's gone. The other big guys that are gone. Our two headlining wide receivers, Keelan Stokes and J.C. Santana, um, both pretty electric receivers, are going to be tough to replace them. Wide receiver is one of the bigger question marks, uh, I think, coming into this season. Um, we've got kind of one big returner, and that's Malachi Jones. The rest of them are very young or very unexperienced. So we'll see how it is at wide receiver. Um, but Keelan and J.C. Were, were awesome. And then the big running back we lost on offense was Daneric Prince, uh, who was a hell of a player. Didn't end, went to the combine, didn't end up getting picked up, but he made uh, some some practice squad that I'm now forgetting. Uh, so those are the si- I'm trying to remember. Somebody signed him. I saw his name pop up somewhere. Yeah, it was Kansas City. Kansas yes. City. Kansas City. Thank you. Yeah, he was great. Right. So like that that's some serious loss. Like your two best receivers, your best running back, and uh, like had he not gotten hurt, probably one of the best quarterbacks in the in the league. Um, Maybe that's a step. I don't know. I, I thought he was really good. So Bryn, you know, th- that's stuff to replace. He was, he was having a killer year. It was, he was. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so we'll see what happens this year. But I think, you know, who knows? I don't even know what the Kevin Wilson offense is going to look like. Um, you talk to you talk to Steve Spurrier Jr. Like he he hasn't been an offensive coordinator. Um, he's been, or he's like been a co-OC at a few places. He's mostly been a wide receivers coach. He was wide receivers coach for like. I think, I don't know, some NFL team for a while. Um, but he hasn't run many offenses, uh, at least at a D1 level. So I don't know what to expect from him. Like, I, I think maybe it'll be a little bit of like the veer and shoot style thing. And we'll see how that goes. I could see that working well with Braylon Braxton. Um, but I don't know. There, there's a lot to replace. I think Braxton will be the starting quarterback. Malachi Jones, I mentioned, will probably be the headlining wide receiver. And then 
um, at running back, replacing Daenerys Prince, uh, I think will be a kind of a, a kind of by committee style thing as it has been the last several years, even with Prince. Um, but that committee usually is like Anthony Watkins, who's a Mizzou transfer. Uh, Bill Jackson is a, a guy from St. Louis, our hometown. Um, a couple other guys around there, Jordan Ford, Taj Gary, all got meaningful carries last year. So I think, I think offense will be pretty solid if receiver can really step up. We've got a lot of young, pretty talented receivers, but they're young. So we haven't seen them really much, uh, in, in division one college football. So we'll see how it goes, but I think there's potential for it to be pretty good. Do we feel any better on defense? Who knows? Yeah, that's, I mean, I think so. Like if you were to ask me, <laughs> I think if you were so. to ask me who's uh if you were to ask me who's like, which side of the ball is in a better spot, that's actually an interesting question. I, cause we brought back having Braylon Braxton back. I think, I mean, that makes a huge difference. I think he's actually going to have a, a pretty, a pretty fantastic year um, coming into his first full year as, as like the main starter here. Right. But he doesn't have kind of the same weapons that were there last year. So there, there's open questions on offense. You look at defense, we definitely lost some guys like probably our best defensive lineman, Anthony Goodlow. He's gone. Justin Wright, our best linebacker is gone. Um, but man, the D line is looking really solid. Corners are so- the corners are all back. Safeties are all back. Um, linebackers are probably the biggest question mark on the defensive side of the ball, but still not, not too, uh, not too washed out there. So I think defense probably is more solid, but it's both of them, like having your headliner back on offense and Braylon Braxton gives that a plus. So it's probably pretty close to even, what do you think Matt on offense or defense looking, looking stronger coming into next year? Yeah, that was kind of my thought. I feel like just in terms of attrition, uh, purely like graduation transfers, things like that. Offense, I think got hit a little bit more than we did defensively. So it's less of a question mark. Um, that being said, like they weren't, lights out defensively last year so it'll just be like can we make that step up is this new dc who you know honestly like had a pretty successful career in his like three years at ut martin obviously that's fcs um so it's gonna be a little bit you know not as intense or as fast um but yeah i i honestly like i think i feel better defensively at least on how it's gonna be we can kind of expect what we got last year offensively. I mean, you look and it's like, well, if, you know, if he just does, Wilson just does whatever he did at Ohio state, we'll be fine. So, <laughs> kind of the, uh, but you look back, you know, like CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, they were kind of like two different. CJ Stroud and Justin Fields were different. We do know that. Yeah, they were pretty good. You drop either Where else of them in the go, we don't office, know. you'll be cooking. You're back. Sorry, Matt, we lost uh, you for a okay. while. Sorry, I didn't realize because I saw it looks like Ryan was moving. Um, and so I was like, okay. No, I was just saying CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, two different styles of quarterback. Like Fields was a lot more, uh, you know, would run if you gave him the opportunity and we're, you know, you see that still doing that to this day, CJ Stroud, not as much. And I think with uh, Tulsa, Wilson's got a like mobile quarterback again this year. Um, so I think that kind of helps up, helps make up for the loss in Daenerys Prince. Um, but it's just, is he going to be protected? Our offensive line was atrocious last year um, to be polite. Uh, that's kind of the one thing is, you know, came in, 
um, quarterback gets injured against Ole Miss and then is just plain hurt. But I think we also had like the worst sack rate in the entire league. So not only was he hurt, he was then getting re-injured like yeah. pretty much every game. And so that did not help. Um, and so that's kind of the big question for me is like, is our offensive line going to step up? It was young last year. Um, and so how are they going to do in, you know, year two or like year three for a lot of them and with an entirely new coach, coaching staff. So, yeah, that's, I, I feel like there's just more questions on offense, whereas defense, I'm like, it will probably be more than the same. Yeah, our starting offensive line last season on game one, the stat going around was between all five offensive linemen starting this game, zero of them had ever started a... <laughs> started on the offensive line in college. So it was all totally brand new guys, right? Obviously they're all back. They were all young and inexperienced, um, which is what led to all the issues last season. But looking, especially with Kevin Wilson, having such a background on the offensive line, he played offensive line. He's coached offensive line most of his, a lot of his career. Um, I think there is room to believe that that's going to be a huge improvement with all those guys coming back, all of them having another year of experience and Kevin Wilson being that offensive line kind of stalwart. Um, so I'm cautiously again, optimistic that that's going to be much better, but I know that could be a off season hype getting to me. Well, so it's interesting because, and, and it's interesting, especially in the world of the transfer portal and how quickly things have changed because when Mike Bloomberg was hired at rice five years ago, he came in and he was handed a, a year zero where it was like, Hey, we we don't care if you win any games this year. We'd like you to, but we understand. And like grading didn't start for him until like really year three. Like, and that was the COVID year. Like year three was like, okay, now you have to start really winning. That was kind of the expectation. I know that that clock has kind of increased with the availability of just, you know, go bring in all the good players and win right away. And that's maybe there is no year zero, but you know, when you talk through the optimistic things, have you kind of thought through, is there a year, is this a year zero for Tulsa where you're just like, Hey, go figure it out. Or do you need to go get, find a way back to a bowl game or we're going to be mad. Maybe not fire you, but like, Hey man. That's so Wilson's intro press conference. He pretty much came out and said, I'm not here for a rebuild. Like I'm old. This is probably gonna be my last coaching job. Like <laughs> I'm here to start winning. And that's kind of the expectation is like, there's not a fear of like, he's gonna, it's not like a Willie Fritz where he's going to coach himself into a bigger job just because that's not, he's, nobody's really looking to hire 70 year old uh, P5 coaches, but you know, he's coming in with the expectation, like, yeah, we're going to turn it around quick. And I think Tulsa is at the point, like we weren't bad the last couple of years, we were just fine. Uh, or just like either slightly better than fine, slightly worse. And so all the tools are there. It's just, can he get us over that hump back into consistent bowl? And I think the expect the expectation for everybody is like, yeah, that's kind of what, where we're at. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. It's, it's pretty much win right away this year. Uh, combination with what Matt said, like the, we were like, 2020, we went six and three and and we're in the conference championship game against Cincinnati and we're a field goal away from winning that game. The next year we make a bowl game. The next year we are five and seven, right? So it's not like we're, we've been four or three, three or four wins the last several years. We've been a pretty, pretty good team putting teams in the, putting guys in the first round of the NFL draft, 
uh, several two years in a row and like a lot of good stuff. Right. So he's not picking up from rock bottom, um, which is why it's, there's an expectation that we win right away. And then you layer on our Tulsa's schedule, man. It is, it is easy. We dodged Memphis. We dodged UAB. We dodged UTSA, you know, all these schools that coming in are, are kind of at the top of conference USA. And then, uh, Memphis is probably one of the top in, in the new American. Uh, so we miss all of them. And then our home schedule is, is relatively easy. Uh, and it's, it's looking good. Didn't dodge your ice. Yeah. So like, that's, that's going to be a tough one. Um, I'm sure it will be, uh, but like, it's, it's like, I think there is room to think that we can get to seven or eight wins in his first year. I think the bear, I, I think if he didn't make a bowl game in his first season, it'd be a disappointment with the schedule and the talent that's on this team. Uh, and I think that's kind of the, the general consensus going into this, this year. He just pack up his bags and go to go head down to Florida. If, uh, if there's no bowl this year. I mean, he's not, Phil Montgomery made it eight seasons, so he's not going to get fired after, after one bad year. Uh, but I think the fan base will sour quickly, I think, um, if he doesn't. Uh, you know, maybe well, if we're six. That combined with however, however Kenny does at Texas State, right? Oh, yeah, if, truly. If, if he doesn't do well, it's fine. But if Kevin Wilson doesn't make a bowl game, <laughs> Texas State becomes a 10-win powerhouse. That is a great point. Yep, that could run, run that'll be an interesting down. one to watch. Yeah, no doubt. If if Texas State becomes a consistent ten win powerhouse, I <laughs> apologize, but so somebody <laughs> somebody bigger than Tulsa is going to come calling for Kenny if he can do <laughs> yeah. that at Texas State. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Oh man, of all of the uh, FPS programs that have the longest shot of turning things around, <laughs> yeah. No offense to our uh, friends in San Marcos. Yeah, man. I hope Kenny can get it done. It'd be fun. It'd be fun if he did, uh, if he did well there. I, obviously, we're pulling for him. All right. So with Tulsa this year, you mentioned six, seven wins. So this sounds like this is a a team that by your prognostications is probably, uh, you know, a touch above the the midpoint in the AAC somewhere in the uh, what? Third to fourth? ish frame we have no divisions next year is that right do (laughs) i know this have they announced this i think that's right um we should know it's i just in this moment realized i had absolutely no idea about that (laughs) well i said that talking and i'm like i i should know (laughs) but yeah i that's it (laughs) you said you said we're like you know like three or four and i'm like who are the teams in this conference i need to (laughs) relook that up all all of us just had a like, what do, do we know anything about this know. right now? That's <laughs> true, man. I mean, there's 14 teams in this league. I would put us, if you're trying to say like, where, where are we going to finish this year? Oh man. I don't know. Like fourth or fifth seems high. Maybe, maybe I'd go more like fifth or sixth, I think would make sense for a first year. Um, I don't know. See, like the thing is, it's hard for me to even judge because I have not done a nice big deep dive into every team in the league uh, coming in and how they were last year, who they're bringing back, any of that stuff. So I'm pretty out of date with what things are looking like going into the season. So like me saying fifth or sixth is kind of just like me saying, I think we're going to be pretty good, but I don't know where that relates, you know, to the rest of the teams in the league. So we close out every episode in our kind of summer walkthrough of these teams with something that we call lightning round. We kind of put you guys on the clock, uh, fast paced, top of your head, uh, top of your tongue, top of your head. I guess that's the same thing, right? 
but what I'm learning now is we should just have every single uh, folks who come on the show. The first question should be name the 14 AAC. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> no one can. And then we get to, uh, da, da. oh yeah. And Charlotte. <laughs> and, and we can. <laughs> Man, that is so true. They're always the one I forget for some. Or reason. Navy. Would we forget Navy? No, nah, Navy's awesome. Can't forget Navy. Navy's Navy's awesome. You can't. Forget. I got Navy is definitely the one I would forget because, like, in my head, well, I they're think the one I that's. Do... Yeah, because I could do most of them because in my head it's like okay, the teams that Rice used to play ten years ago versus the teams that Rice played uh, last year. Yeah. So I can get most of them there, but but I would guarantee you I would get to like eleven and be like, who. Who's left? Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I see Navy football running the triple option in my nightmares. So, but Montgomery. <laughs> it would be actually once. the one I would definitely forget if not for the Owls thing would be Temple. Temple, man. So easy. I forget about him when we play him every year. It's crazy. <laughs> an an imminently forgettable I'm... football program. I'm going to put out what, what, what are those, the, the freeware quizzes. I'm just going to go tweet one out and have everybody name as many AAC schools <laughs> as you can find. Yeah, and, uh, and I think we'll probably have more votes for like Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati uh, incorrectly than we will on maybe half the teams in the league. Yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if that wasn't the case. That's too funny. All right. So we'll let you through now. We won't make you name all 14 teams, but after this, you can just send me a text afterwards. It's like, hey, Matt, I got I got nine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can we keep it private, but do your best. Sounds good. Um, we'll do. So we'll run you through here um, as best you can think. Just kind of think through and give us your uh, first uh, first initial thoughts. So we'll start you off with a an easy one. Uh, right. Tulsa football 2023. Who leads the team in touchdowns? Graylin Braxton. Yeah. All right. Say it. Passing Other side of the ball. And rushing. And rushing. Well, quarterbacks are kind of the catch all, but if he runs, that seems, I'm, I'm tossing you a bone here. Yep. Question two other side Easy of the ball. Start. You talked about that D line. Who leads the team in sacks? Ooh. You know, I'll go. Uh, I'll go with Owen Ostrowski. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have a big year. Um, he was second on the team last season in sacks as a redshirt freshman. Uh, I think he's gonna have a big season. There's a chance we go with the new DC. I think it sounds like we're gonna mix up going between a three-three-five and a four-four-three. So we'll see uh, if that makes an impact. But I think Ostrowski has a real chance. Last year's leader was Joe Anderson. He's still on the team. Uh, he's a grad senior. He'll be good again, but I think with Owen taking a another kind of a, a sophomore jump here, um, I think there's a chance he beats him out. Yeah, that's really good. I was, was going to go uh, Anderson personally, but I, Owen put on 20 pounds between freshman and, and second year. So to be say Aronsky three times was that whatever it was three times fast. <laughs> Ostrowski. Owen Ostrowski. Yeah, it's tough. Ostrowski, Ostrowski, Ostrowski. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tulsa football 2023. Who will not be a preseason all-conference guy, but he probably should be? Ooh, that's a good one. Who won't be a preseason all-conference guy that should be? Probably somebody 
I don't know. So I don't know. Last year I would have said someone on the D line. Cause I feel like it happens every year because we were in a three, three, five guys that are really talented. Don't put up huge numbers. Cause they're, you know, you're offset and that bites them in the preseason or postseason awards because they're not getting those sack numbers. Uh, this, like I said before, I think, I think it might be switching, you know, mixing and matching between a three, three, five and a four, four, three. I still think it'll probably be somebody on the D line. I'll just say I want Ostrowski again. I think there's a chance he has a good year, but doesn't like have the huge numbers and then misses out on it. I'm going to go Will Forniak on the offensive line. Um, assuming that he doesn't get hurt this year. And if offensive linemen can be on that awards list, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> well, you know, preseason all conference, depending yeah. on what league you're in, I think right or uh, conference USA put, what was it, Carter? Like a hundred some odd players on the preseason <laughs> watch list last year. Yeah, it's they just it's it's a grab. Every bag. coach pick your favorites. It was weird, man. Uh, alas, the by bygone. See, I went to the last. This is an aside. I was at the CUSA baseball tournament this past week, and I walked out and I did kind of a double take because they had the you know the the banner across the gate when you're when you're walking out. I'm like. This is the last event I'm going to attend where the COSA logo is displayed. Were you sad or happy? Yes, <laughs> mostly happy. It was it was kind of like yeah. weird. It, it's become a part of you, but you totally. don't want to admit it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, you remember this. Okay, uh, back to AAC. So uh, AAC big picture 2023. Uh, one player in the AAC, educate us, Rice folks. Um, maybe not Tulsa, but AAC in general that you were really going to enjoy watching this year? Hmm. Let me think. Um, I really, I, I don't know, maybe this is a recency bias here. I really started really digging watching Jaquan Jackson from Tulane last season. Uh, you know, started watching him more often because of Tulane's awesome run at the end of the year. Um, but he had a great, great. It seemed like, it seemed to me like he had a great season. I don't know what his season total numbers were, but he had some big plays down the stretch. I think he's a really exciting player. So I'm looking forward to seeing him again. As a wide, wide receiver, right? Yeah. Top guy. Yeah. I'm kind of interested in just seeing how Kurt Warner's son does at Temple. Not that Temple. Oh yeah. Great, wow. That's a great one. I feel, I feel like that's just kind of a, and a, we forgot you, they were in the got a lot. Yeah, you've got to watch it because <laughs> we're we're just really getting all the suns. Uh, Truly, man, we're listing listing everybody's everybody's sons. That's Which, a great call, way, Matt. I love that. I love that pick. Temple's a fun. Temple's a weird team, forgettable team, as we've said. But like, they, I don't know. I'm I'm I I really think that's the right that's the right choice. I take back Who my Jaquan Jackson. I, I side with Matt. Coach right now. Who <laughs> sit Carter down the rabbit trail? Dan. All right. Back to Tulsa, uh, rookie of the year, uh, freshman, newcomer, young guy. Ooh, what do you think? I got both. I've got both for you. I think freshman, freshman, I think it's a retro freshman that counts, but he hasn't played much. Um, Keith Wheeler at wide receiver, I think has a real chance to be rookie of the year because of what we said before, we've got serious lack of depth and experience at wide receiver. One guy coming back, really, that had meaningful catches last season. That's Malachi Jones. Keith Wheeler had a couple. You know, he was in there every now and then. I think he's got a real chance having a breakout season. He'd be my freshman. 
Um, if you're talking transfers also, I think there's an easy one. That's Braylon Presley from Oklahoma State. Big time recruit coming out of high school. He's the one we mentioned before that we missed out on. Uh, but now he's back and he's going to be playing a mix of running back and wide receiver. I think he's got serious uh, bust or burst potential. Those are not the same thing. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> Glad I corrected myself. Yeah. There's issue with Ryan going first. Is he always, if he doesn't name uh, who I was going to say first, he'll name him with his second, like, or. Uh, <laughs> you go first like, next. Was, you got the was, next one yeah. first. My pick. No, because the next one's going to be like, I'm like, oh, I have no clue. So. <laughs> Here you go. No, no Bra- you go first. Uh, I'll just team, give a plus one. Team MVP. Matt's first. Oh, uh, Braylon Braxton. It's li- Tulsa lives and dies by the QB. I know that's kind of a, I don't know, maybe that's an easy out. But if you look back to, you know, the down years with Felt Montgomery, it's because they Nevins left and then we were just quarterbackless for, you know, three, four years. And then we had Zach Smith, who kind of got us steady. Y'all steady, but not Matt's internet My internet is just not made for lightning round. I don't know what it, I, I have an ethernet <laughs> like plugged in. I don't know what's going you, on. You I'm, timed I apologize. out. If yeah, we lose got, Ryan too, they kick Tulsa out of the league. Got to get <laughs> yeah. uh, got to get the internet in the conditioning program this summer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll end it quick. We live and die by QB. That's that's why it's got to be it. Yeah, I. I'm with you. I think Braylon Braxton's the the one there. And it's weird. Like Matt mentioned, the, the quarterbackless years we went through. And it's so funny because we were, everybody was so, like, so Dane Evans graduated 2016. We were, that was after the, uh, actually, yeah, it was after the 10 and 3 season. We were looking really good. Um, and actually, it was the year after. But anyway, uh, and but then, so he's gone, right? And so who's going to replace him? And then, like the two competitors to replace him have the best names possible for a quarterback. It was Chad president and Luke skipper. And both of them were not, both of them didn't result to anything. And it was such a disappointment because like the media around Tulsa was like, you know, it was so easy to write stories about two guys named president and skipper leading the, leading the football team. Right. They're great stories, great graphics, all this, like lots of hype around these guys and neither of them were good at all. Uh, and it just really bottomed out after Evans left. Um, so yeah, I, with you, quarterback uh, matters. If I had to give a one B, um, it's a Kendarren Ray on the defensive side. He's our he's our safety. He's been there for feels like forever now. Um, really solid player. Had a kind of an up and down year last year, but lots of he's just rock solid all the time. Um, so I think he's he's got a chance to be the MVP too. And so this will test next question your your memory of who is in the league for 2023. But uh, your pick uh, right now in you know, as the calendar turns to June, uh, you're picked to win the AAC if it's not Tulsa. Matt, you want to go first? He's unsure. Yeah, I, I can. I can try. <laughs> um, yeah, it's tough because I feel like I don't know a ton about the newcomers, other than like UTSA has been hot and UAB has been pretty good like the last couple of years as well. Um, but I don't want to give it to the newcomers because um, <laughs> it's not as fun. So I'm going to say SMU. All right. I'm going to go, I'll go Tulane, uh, which I feel like is the boring answer because of their season last year. But like, 
I don't know. Again, like, I don't know. I, I should have gone deeper on the teams in the league before doing this, but um, they, I don't know who all they are losing on defense, but I know they're returning a ton of talent on offense. Like Michael Pratt's back. Jaquan Jackson, I mentioned already, he's back. Uh, Fat Watts, their other awesomely named wide receiver is back. Uh, they got a dude at running back who's a younger guy, I think, Celestine, who had some big games last year. Um, and Willie Fritz is back, which is the most important you know, key of all. So, like, I feel like they've got to be the betting favorites to win the league. I don't know if there's any numbers around that. But, man, I'd put my money on Tulane if I had to guess. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with them. I'm going to have to go look that up now that we mentioned. All right. And then uh, Dark Horse team, somebody who is uh, not the odds-on favorite. Uh, by the way, quick Google, Tulane is the uh, the betting favorite as of right this moment to win the AAC SMU second, depending on your book. It might be Memphis. So there you go. But uh, somebody else not top of the uh, top of the board right now that you think could have a, a particularly feisty or, or interesting uh, year in the AAC next year. Matt, you want it? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's tough. Uh, so like Matt, I don't know a ton about the teams coming in yet. So it's hard for me to pick one of them. You know, it'd be, it'd be fun to pick a UAB or a UTSA. I don't know if they'd be like dark horses though. They're probably near the top. Um, there's some fun teams coming in like Florida Atlantic could be fun. I don't know how that's going over there really, but like, that'd be an interesting one. I, like you look at the league. I just based, had on last freaking... week, ne- based on last week, neither do they. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what happened? Is did, uh, they going through something? Uh, it's just like they hired Tom Herman, which like seems like a great hire, but, uh, you know, things have been weird there lately. So, yeah. uh, the, they have the same attitude a lot of teams in this league, like other than like Tulane and maybe UTSA, the same attitude that pretty much everyone else has is, which is, uh, well, there are reasons to be optimistic, but who knows? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. Like I'm looking, I had to freaking go to the American.org and look at the list of schools story of this podcast episode, but the, uh, like, I mean, wait, you, we you might st- have to st- chime in and, and tell Mr. Oresco that somebody's on the American.org. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It's like, you look I, at the, like UCF is gone. Cincinnati's gone. East Carolina. They like, I maybe oh yeah, they would have the been, a, they That's, would have been a fun see, pick. For that, was my, year, that was my like, dark horse. They just lost everybody. Like Holden Naylor yeah, is gone after Holden seven years. Been, he's been dead weight for the last seven years, obviously. They couldn't yeah, get across the hump because of him. And I'll maybe. say this. I don't know. I also, like, I don't love East Carolina. Um, there's just been, I, it's very fr- annoying to deal with, frankly. Uh, but that was kind of like my, I feel like they're just, they've been so close. So if you're looking for like a dark horse, like, East Carolina's one that it's you're I, I yeah. just feel like it's gotta be out there. Yeah, I mean they have been right there. They've been knocking on the door, they've beaten the best teams in the league, but not not every year. Like they they get one like every other year. Um so maybe them, I don't know. I think Garcia something, or maybe it's something Garcia is their new quarterback. I don't know anything about him. So maybe ECU, I guess, but like Memphis, you couldn't count as a dark horse. South Florida, first year coach after a horrible year, probably not them. SMU, probably not a dark horse. They're probably near the top. 
uh, Temple too early, two lanes, the, the leader. And then there's us. We're, we're not going to vote on that's everybody. Right. So it's, it's probably, I think the dark horse is probably somebody coming in. Um, so maybe it's you guys. He didn't say Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Just for the I record, know. I have their odds pulled up right now. You can get plus 200 on Tulane and you can get plus, uh, 12,500 on Charlotte. Hey, let's put some money on Charlotte. Charlotte's the one. Isn't their head coach like it was just a business guy who decided he wanted to. Do you remember that? What I'm talking about, Ryan? We talked about it with uh, Fear the Wind. Yeah, he's like, I got like a hedge fund or something. Yeah. yeah. So oh, Formerly really managed buff? a hedge fund. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, I can't remember if that was Jamie Chadwell or whether that was the guy that was there before him. Um, no, it's, uh, Charlotte's head coach now is a guy with uh, one of is the greatest, Michigan? one of the greatest football coach names of all time, Biff yeah. Pogey. Biff. Yeah, that's right. The man is called Biff. <laughs> so good. And he went. To, I, I'm I'm just looking him up. Lots of great radio here. Just looking, reading Wikipedia. But uh, the guy went to Duke. Imagine meeting a guy at Duke and he says his name is Biff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not going to be hanging out with that guy. I love it. I've learned so much about Tulsa and the American, and I feel informed. There we go. Oh, by the way, the uh, the hedge fund guy is UAB's new coach, uh, Trent Dilfer. He's got. He used to have a. Or he currently does, or he used to have a hedge fund. Wait, what? Trent Dilfer has a hedge fund. Yeah. He's. Uh, let me that, let me find it. What? I I had that thing. Uh, where is it? I'm in disbelief. I think it's him. Somebody, somebody in the new. No, I'm pretty he sure it's was like Delta. a high school coach uh, yeah. in Tennessee. Yeah, well, he I'm was like also before a, that. He was also a, a, a NFL quarterback. Right. Yes. What, yes. Is what Trent Dilfer is most known for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's see. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure. Oh boy, it was somebody that's coming in from Conference USA that spent Biff some time. Maybe, it was was Biff. it Biff? Okay, you were right at first, Matt. I'm just saying, I, Trent Dilfer, after hearing him give a couple of speeches at UAB, I would be surprised if he secretly <laughs> operated at it. Yeah. Nice. Um, I think uh, the guy you're thinking of is the guy who used to be, um, who was Coastal Carolina's head coach before uh, Jamie Chadwell. It's Joe, Joe Moglia. He was an executive at Merrill Lynch for 17 years. Uh, I could be right. It could be right. But yeah, I remember that story when, when, because Coastal, like, he was there, like, when Coastal started up. And, like, I remember that story when he, like, bumped, when they bumped up to FBS. It was like, here's this dude who did a lot of stuff that was not, he (laughs) goes for, like, he goes for, like, 15 years in the 60s and 70s and then, like, went off and did business. And then came back and started coaching again in like 2009. Okay, that must be it. That that sounds exactly like the story I'm thinking of. And in today's world, where realignment and who knows who, who's going to be in the conference in 2024, these are the kind of things that we need to bring us together. These will be the tales that we tell our children. Of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, this hedge fund manager who also coached a football team that one time. <laughs> they won a national championship, baby. There you go. That's how you get there. Got to have the money in the bank. I mean, yeah, but usually not that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True. 
That's great. Well, uh, let uh, let our listeners know where else uh, they can find you, what to expect from you guys and, and Tulsa going forward. And uh, if nothing else, where they can get their next installments of Tulsa history <laughs> bit by bit. Yeah, um, we are only on Twitter for social media, um, and that is at Golden Hurricast, all one word on there if you want to follow us. Um, we do all of our podcasting under the name The Golden Hurricast. You can search it in any podcast app. You can find us there. Uh, we also do a little bit of writing, and that's at thegoldenhurricast.com. And I think that's it. Matt, are we uh, doing anything else? I don't know. See, off-season time. I can't even remember what we're doing. No vine. Yeah. No vine these days. I wish. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. Do we have a Mastodon yet? Do we have a Blue Sky? I don't know. Who knows waiting for a Blue Sky invite code, man. I don't have one yet. Oh, is this exclusive? Blue Sky? Yeah, you got to have a code. I'm not up on uh, what all the kids are doing these days. Yeah. I feel like I'm 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 waiting to um uh if there's going to be a real Twitter successor, I'm uh I'm I'm hedging my bets here. I'm not uh. I'm not going all in on any platform until it's uh, until it's an obvious winner. Yeah, man. I, I made a Mastodon account and like spent some time on there. It just kind of stinks. There's nobody there. It's like a weird crowd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like some, some people made it over there that are fun, but like nobody in sports is over there. It's just like some weird tech people, like in- some interesting tech people made it over that I follow and no sports people. And it's just like a ghost town. It's, it's kind of sad. Come here, the football. Stay here for the Mastodon bashing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have everything here. Yep. That was fun. Uh, all right. Well, before we uh, stray even farther afield, uh, we'll wrap things up here. Uh, thanks to Ryan and Matt for uh, hopping on with us. Uh, looking forward to getting to know you all better and uh, reviving the uh, bitter hatred between our two uh, small private institutions in the Southwest. So, uh, uh, thanks, to everybody, for sticking through with us. Uh, thanks again to you all for hopping on with us. We'll uh, see everybody soon. And Rice, bye. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.